Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the internet and uh, around the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Good morning and welcome to it. It is the Michael Duke Show, uh, broadcasting live uh, each and every morning from 6 to 8 a.m. And we appreciate you coming in and joining us this morning. Let me just not break everything in the studio as we get ready to rock and roll. <clears throat> Hi, how are you? Uh, what's, uh, what's happening? Are you, did you have a, did you have a good weekend? Did you have a, was it everything you'd hope for? And then some, did you get, uh, enough, uh, of the wet stuff to kind of keep some of the forest fires in check? I mean, it is, uh, it was, uh, man, tough for those people up in clear. I don't know if you've been watching some of the videos and, uh, everything up there, uh, of the fires and, and of course the folks out of Minto and we were talking last week, um, the number that was quoted in one, uh, outlet was 227 fires. Uh, and then I saw another thing that said it was nearly 300 with some of the small little blazes that were in and out, but it has definitely been a busy, busy fire season this year. And, uh, although we got a little bit of rain on Thursday down here in the, uh, uh, South Central area, we definitely we definitely could use some more, and I know Fairbanks could uh, um, uh, Fairbanks could use some more. They did get a little rain this weekend, but uh, looking for more as the time goes by. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> quite an interesting quite an interesting uh, weekend, and uh, I'd love to hear what you guys uh, have to say uh, about it across the uh, across the state here. As we get ready to rock and roll and talk about some of the different um, things that happened. Of course, the biggest event of the weekend was the campaign rally hosted by former President Trump uh, in, the, uh, uh, in, the, uh, in Anchorage at the Alaska Airlines Center at, uh, at the university there. And uh, I know a lot of you traveled uh, from around the state and across uh, the Matsu and Anchorage and Soldatna and all the way down from Fairbanks. Uh, I know a lot of you traveled down there to that rally to attend. And I would love to uh, I'd love to get your take on everything that went down um, there and what was said. Uh, Kelly Chewbacca, Sarah Palin both got up and spoke uh, ahead of time. Um, Mike Dunleavy who was praised by the president uh, at the rally, did not attend. And so that's a, that's a, it's interesting to see what, uh, you know, what uh, uh, some of the dynamics there. He had been, um, he had been promised by the president that <clears throat> he would endorse Dunleavy as long as Dunleavy didn't support Murkowski. And then the ADN also quotes, um, 
uh, also quotes uh, Chris Kirka and some others who attended. And uh, so anyway, some interesting stuff, interesting stuff that came out through that. I'd love to hear what uh, your guys' thoughts were or your experiences were with uh, with the event uh, on Saturday. So if you attended, uh, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. And uh, feel free to uh, feel free to sound off and and uh, give us some give us some info here today. So <clears throat> the uh, phone number to call uh, opening up the phone lines this morning at 907-433-3150 powered by our friends at Satellite West. Uh, you could find out more about them at SatelliteWest.com and all the good stuff that they do, including the satellite cellular phones and the pivotels and the the and the bivy sticks and everything else uh again just go to satellite go to uh, satellitewest.com to find out all the details on that um uh, on that as well all right um yeah it was it was a good weekend it really was um i got a whole bunch of uh Got a whole bunch of stuff done around the house uh, on Saturday. We spent uh, a few hours doing the I, as much as I've been putting it off. We we <laughs> we spent a few hours uh, doing some honeydew work and getting things kind of cleaned up and uh, and everything else because the boar. I woke up and thought. I mean, I I hate to share this thought with you, but I woke up and had the thought immediately that um, well, it's only like you know, 12 or 14 weeks until it gets cold again. So maybe I should take care of this stuff because I don't have time to take care of it later this summer. So maybe I should get up and do this. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. But yeah, only 14, 15 weeks now till the snow starts to fly. So uh, if you've been putting off those honeydew lists, I would recommend that you don't and just go out there and get it done. Your mind will be a lot, you'll have a lot more peace of mind if you do that. If you're, if you're like me, I've been putting it off because I've just been, you know, a little overwhelmed. And now I'm excited to, I'm excited to do something uh, totally, totally different. So, um, all right, um, let's, uh, let's get, let's get things going on here. Uh, I'm sorry, I got a little, I got a little audio, got a little audio issue there. Okay, uh, there we go. <clears throat> so, uh, what else is on my mind today? Well, uh, I want to talk a bit about um, I want to talk a bit about the economy. And uh, um, could I order some? Somebody just said, "Could you order some rain, please?" I've been telling you guys to do your rain dances and do everything. You know, if everybody who's listening to the show right now went out and washed their car. I'm guaranteed that you'll get some rain. I mean, isn't that the isn't that the typical thing that as soon as I wash my car, it'll immediately rain? Could have been sunny for 16 days, and then I wash my car, and it immediately rains. Um, so we'll do that. But I want to talk about <clears throat> the uh, a spate of headlines that I kind of uh, touched on last week, and. Um, they talked about uh, you know the struggle for food and the inflationary prices. Now we have seen uh, we have seen uh, the gas prices come down just a little bit. I see gas prices were down according to one headline like 19 cents a gallon. The average U.S. price on gasoline has fallen. 
I know that I got gasoline for just uh, just around five dollars a gallon here, five fifteen or something um, on Saturday uh, when I was filling up one of the kids' cars I was working on, um, and you know, so so that is starting to come down, but it's still it is uh, um, it is still a huge struggle, and I think we're going to see this be the number one point that many people are worried about coming into the uh, elect next election cycle. Uh, I mean, many people have said that it's going to be, you know, uh, guns or abortion or many of these other things that are out there. But the bottom line is, is that even according to the latest Monmouth poll, which came out uh, a couple weeks ago or came out last week, rather, um, that the number one issue by an order of magnitude is the economy and it is um i mean i i think that if you're planning on looking at it and trying to analyze what the midterms and what the elections are going to be about if it's not about the economy then um if if the talking points are not about the economy then i think that the candidate is not paying close enough attention because that's what the people and what americans and what alaskans are concerned about uh, are we going to have enough money for for you know heating oil? Are we going to have enough money to get ready for the winter? Are we going to have enough for that? Is the food going to be there? And let me just again, um, let me just again hit you with a few of the headlines um, that are uh, you know prevalent in talking about this. Um, rising inflation rates hits Alaskans on gas, transportation, and food. Food Bank of Alaska sees a rise in demand as donations dip. Rental prices for homes and apartments rise in Alaska, led by a sharp spike in Anchorage. Um, Alongside tax bills, new tax bills and approved tax bills, Anchorage property owners get mail from the mayor blasting the assembly for raising the taxes. Uh, Many Alaskans are struggling to afford food right now. Here's how you can help. Uh, I mean, these are just this is just a spate of headlines that have been uh, going across a variety of news outlets over the last Two and a half weeks. These are the things that people are concerned about, um, whether or not they can afford to, uh, you know, whether or not they can afford the rent, whether or not they can afford to buy a home rather than rent a home. Uh, what's going on for the places and the the um, so- social safety nets that are put together by places like the food bank and others? What's going on there with the donations dipping? Right, the the donations are are, uh, uh, you know, are lower than normal, and yet the demand is higher than ever. I mean, this is, this is a very, very uh, um, um, tenuous situation. And it's something that I think if the politicians, if they're, if they're not seeing this as a solid issue, and from a statewide perspective, the PFD is one of the facets of that budget and one of the, excuse me, of the economy that when they're doing the budget, they definitely need to start to analyze what is the impact of not allowing that PFD to be, you know, uh, distributed to the people. Uh, if it's all about the economy, taking $700 million in change out of the economy, or even more than that, almost a almost uh you know over a billion dollars if you don't get the full statutory pfd that is a problem you know that is a real problem
Um, and people should see that. And uh, quite honestly, if I don't see most of the um, commentary coming back from some of these elected officials that what they're hearing about is the budget, the PFD, and the economy as their top issues, I, I'll eat my hat. Because I think those are all going to be the top, top issues. Again, poll after poll is showing that a lot of these other issues, which some people consider to be main you know, key factors, are in fact not even ranking in, they're barely in single digits compared to the, you know, 60%, 58% that care more about the economy than anything else. So we can break down some of this and talk about this, uh, or we can also take some phone calls from those of you who went out and attended the rally and got a, got an earful. You can tell us what your experience was and what it looked like to you. And uh, we will uh, we'll talk about those things um, as well. Look at that. We're up against the break already. All right. So time to uh, time to get going. Let's uh, let's take off here. We'll be back in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense. Liberty based. Free thinking radio. We will uh, talk with you here on the other side. Don't go anywhere. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right. We're in the break right now doing our thing. Hi, how are you? Changed out something in my headphones, and it just it just sounds odd this morning. Um, <laughs> it just sounds so different. It sounds so different. Um, all right. What? Uh, seeing what you guys have to say here in the chat room this morning, as I try not to yawn. Staining one's deck is much more powerful magic to get rain. Just stain the deck and it will happen. Five seventy nine a gallon in Seward, says Jerry. Oof. Um, I understood Palin and Kelly. Um, seems like they're afraid to tell Trump Dunleavy is a rhino. Um, gas prices in Kotzebue will not drop. Not until July of 2023. I know you guys are going to get... Ugh. You guys are going to get staked on that. Saturday was a blast, says Politidick. A once-in-a-lifetime event that will never be repeated in my lifetime. Well, good. I'm glad it was enjoyable. Um, he still got up there. Trump still got up there and told people that Dunleavy was a great guy and to vote for him. For all his qualities, Trump does not like to admit he endorsed the wrong guy. Yeah. Exactly. Um... Thank you for streaming the rally. Uh, oh, uh, Politidic must have streamed the rally on his Facebook page. Uh, we still have snow in Kotzebue. Gas at Costco, four ninety nine a gallon. Um, 
Think there is a relationship between the dip in donations to the food banks and the reduced PFD? Question mark. Rumor has it that we're going to that we are going into more food shortages this win- winter via actions on the Biden administration. My kids are storing food, TP, etc. You should have been, you know, putting some of that stuff on the list anyway. <clears throat> Um, let's see. Um, last winter, a number of new snowmobiles were down. Lots of folks liking, looking for a new snow machine, still looking for parts. Even with $10 a gallon of gas, motor gas, people will be out looking for wood to burn and meat for freezers. Yeah. No, you gotta, you gotta do it. But at least the, at least it's on the downward trend for now. Like I said, I think it was five nineteen a gallon or something. It was it was headed down towards four dollar to under five dollars a gallon. Um, my escape doesn't like regular, but add a bottle of red heat and it's okay. Yeah. Um, no PFD in the Constitution will remain a fall release or dates changed by election law. Uh, I don't know if it'll remain a fall release. Um. The governor could basically release it at any time between now and October. Um, he did release it, you'll remember, back in 20, 2020. He released it in July, uh, right at the start of the new fiscal year. Uh, there is no protection for the PFD and statute. Yep, exactly. Okay. Um, good morning, good morning, good morning. All right, so good morning to everybody and uh, all the ships at sea. Thanks for coming in and joining us this morning. We're going to get, uh, I want you guys to feel free to uh, give us, I expected people to be calling up and telling me exactly what their experiences was at the rally and everything, and nobody's called. That's surprising. Um, I fully expected to get the full rundown from somebody who was there. Um, I, I mean, I saw Politic this morning. He said something here in the chat room, but I expected folks to call in and be touting the whole thing and telling us all the good stuff about it. So, all right. Um, well, we're about 20 seconds out, as you just heard. Um, sorry, didn't mean to make you pee yourself or anything. We're going to be back. The Michael Duke Show continues. Like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. Let's get things going on. Shall we do it? Here we go. Jumping back in. Uh, Let's get it going. Okay. You guys all ready? You guys all ready already? It uh, I was just telling the we're just telling the crowd on the uh, Facebook and stuff. 
that I was surprised once usually when I open up the phone lines, people start flooding in, and especially after a big thing like, uh, um, you know, like the the rally this weekend, I expect where I was inviting people to come in and tell us uh, their experiences, um, I was a little shocked. Shocked, I tell you, that uh, people uh, didn't uh, just jump on board to give us the full rundown. Um, I mean, it looked like it was uh, pretty much a full house uh, there. Um, people still lining up around the block, uh, you know, that, uh, that afternoon, uh, some folks got there as early. I think it was, I think Edie Grunwald was the one that sent me the video of, uh, how far that they had gone. They, uh, that, uh, that they'd gotten there early, like 7 AM and there'd been people there since like four o'clock in the morning or something, um, four o'clock in the morning, getting ready to go. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and finally to get a chance to, uh, to be in there and, and enjoy the rally. It looked like it had good energy, looked like it had a good energy and it looked like, uh, people were excited. Um, but, uh, not surprising the, uh, topics, um, uh, and the, uh, and, and the, the rhetoric that, you know, we saw come out of there that was to be expected, but overall, uh, I think uh, people in the state would count it as a success for the uh, um, for the conservatives out there. Um, all right, let's um, <clears throat> excuse me. Let's jump on over to the uh, to the phone lines since we've got a phone call on on hold and see what uh, folks uh, uh, see what folks have to say about all this stuff. Let's uh, go over there right now. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. This is Bert Poeta Dick. How are you this bright and beautiful Monday morning? <laughs> you know, not a bad day, my friend. At least uh, looks like we might get a little more rain here in the Wasilla South Central area, so I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, I see that you uh, were streaming. Everybody was saying thank you. You apparently were out there streaming the rally, so why don't you give us the full rundown on what it looked like from your perspective as you, uh, you know, what, did you get there early? What, 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 what did it look like? Oh, it was absolutely amazing. Like many Alaskans, I started my day very early at 4 a.m. just so I could be sitting there by 6 o'clock. There were so many people that had left the night before coming from Fairbanks, Soldotna, Kenai, Homer, and from many other places around the state catching flights for that. And uh, the crowd started showing up sometime around 4 a.m. or earlier, started lining up at 5 a.m. And uh, by the time uh, 6 o'clock I had shown up, there was already a good couple, 300 people standing out there in line waiting just to get in. The excitement of the crowd was amazing. Um, I just couldn't believe how many Alaskans had shown up. The crowd there, I mean, capacity crowd inside of that stadium, 5,000 strong, still thousands sitting outside watching on the big jumbotron screen TV, uh, listening to Mike Lindell, the My Pillow guy, uh, came out and talked to us all. I did a great interview with uh, the head of broadcasting while they were outside interviewing all of us. It just, I couldn't have asked for a more exciting event to have gone to a once-in-a-lifetime. I mean, born and raised Alaskan, and I've never seen something that that big, that monumental ever happen in our state before. It's pretty exciting. I mean, I think it's obviously reinvigorated a lot of people who were uh, 
um, you know, who were starting to feel a little jaded. What were your thoughts on the endorsement of, uh, I mean, I think Shabaka is a natural endorsement and I've got no problem with the Palin endorsement either, but I thought that the Dunleavy endorsement was a little weird, especially when the fact that uh, Dunleavy wasn't there and uh, he's kind of been at odds uh, over, you know, over some of the time. What, what was your thoughts of that endorsement as well? Well, I, I look at Kelly Chewbacca when she took the stage or just in the room, the love of Alaskans towards her was very well felt and seen. It was very, very obvious. Uh, Sarah Palin, I would have put in second place when it came to the crowd there. And Governor Dunleavy, man, it sure did show the boos and the cheers. It was a mixed crowd when it came to him. I think he decided not to show up because it just would have made him uh, – the, the, I think he would have had a much larger crowd in there doing a lot more booze than cheering if he would have actually been present for it. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I think that um, – I think you're probably right. Uh, I think it would have been a little bit awkward since uh, his policies are there. I think uh, one of the – I think it was David who said it earlier that, you know, that Trump's endorsement of Dunleavy – shows that you know while he's a you know a heck of a good guy and a speaker and all that stuff he just uh, he does not like to admit that he endorsed the wrong guy he said he still got up there and told people that Dunleavy was a great guy and to vote for him but for all his qualities Trump does not like to admit that he endorsed the wrong guy and that's kind of how I took this to be as well I think that there's probably a better candidate for endorsement in the race um, uh, than uh, than Dunleavy. But he just didn't want to let that go since Dunleavy didn't, and you know, Dunleavy is trying to play both sides of the equation by not showing up. He's not uh, affecting, he's not offending the people who would hate Trump, but by not showing up, he's also maybe irritating some of the people who believe in the kind of the Trump, uh, uh, you know, belief policy or so, or you know, whatever. So this is a, it's definitely an interesting take on on that endorsement as well. Yeah, Dunleavy's endorsement by Trump was early on uh, during the, his uh, term as governor. And uh, at the time, it was well-founded, that, but that was before the big political monster out there, the swamp, got a hold of him and crushed all spirit that he had. And he started caving to the uh, mainstream of the left and the, the political environment of our government uh, entities, the unions and special interests in the school districts and such all, all ganging up on him. And if Governor we would have stood his ground, stuck to his guns, and, and stood behind what he had actually campaigned on, it, he would have been well-received. But we all see where that direction had gone. If I had to vote today, though, and still choose if it was between him and Walker, Dunleavy would still have my vote over Walker <laughs> any day of the week. I mean, come on, that's a that's a no brainer. I mean, at that point, whether it's Walker or Walker or Guerra or whatever, yeah, Dunleavy would still be above uh, both of those guys uh, when it's all said and done for sure. Um, final thoughts here, Politic, as uh, you know, as you everybody left the rally excited, satisfied, it was successful from top to bottom, um, uh, right? It was. It was. I mean, I, I've never been in a, in a crowd of people that excited to, especially to see President Trump come walking in through the door. 
I mean, to have the 45th president come and grace Alaskans with his presence, and I, I emphasize the word grace there when I say that because he clearly is well-loved here in Alaska, and uh, it showed the support and the reason why you were seeing people out on the streets protesting all summer long in 2020 and 2019, getting out there and showing the Alaskan spirit trying to compete or complain to the political environment out there that things need to change and it's a real eye-opener and i hope to see it again this election season i really do all right well thank you for uh thank you for your any any moment that stuck out during the rally that got your attention uh the the entire rally was uh my my entire inspiration for being there There there's nothing that's one moment that stuck out other than the one lonely on the opposite side protester that actually showed up there with his own little bullhorn sitting on the side of the street. And unlike the pro-abortion rally that I was at about a week and a half prior to that, he was uh, all by himself, and uh, us Alaskans didn't bother to even go over there and even grace him with even counter-protesting. They just left him all by him, little lonesome over there. That's Unlike great. the pro-abortion rally, they had to go well out of their way to go attack the opposition of three people. Right, right. Well, that's, uh, you know, it's good. I mean, I'm glad that somebody, you know, got a chance to protest and put their views out there. Um, but that it was fact that it was one, that doesn't surprise me at that point. That's a pretty, pretty tight crowd over there. But uh, all right. Well, thank you. Appreciate it, Bert. Thank you for coming on board and sharing with us. Uh, appreciate you uh, giving us your thoughts from the weekend. Thank you, Michael. You have yourself a great day. You bet. Number to call here is the Satellite West call in line at 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. If you guys would like to sound off, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Don't forget, you can also join us on the simulcast, which is taking place on Facebook and YouTube and Twitch. Um, Christine just said that apparently the YouTube is much better this morning. I don't know why it sounds better on YouTube, but apparently, apparently they gets my, this is my good side and they get my good side on YouTube and Facebook gets this other side. I don't know what's going on, but coming up on tomorrow's program, we're going to be diving into it, uh, with Brad Keithley, uh, and Chris story for our weekly review of the weekly top three and our weekly life coaching lesson. So make sure you uh, uh, make sure you sound off on that. The one thing that I noticed in the uh, in the articles that were referring to the rally was that um, I, I noticed that uh, Charlie Pierce wasn't mentioned, and I know that uh, I know that Edie Grunwald, his uh, running mate, was there. Uh, I'm not sure if Charlie was there or not. I thought he said he was going to be there, but um, I the the newspaper really uh, the ADN specifically pulled out um, at the very end and and came and had a little piece about uh, Chris Kirka, who is running to the right of Dunleavy and who attended the rally but did not meet with President Trump. Um, that VIP reception, with this, I'm sorry, this is a sidebar. Oh, Charlie was out of state. All right, thank you. Uh, that that the the VIP reception hosted by Chewbacca and Palin campaigns asked for $20,000 for a photo with the former president. Um, man, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money to uh, to take a picture with, a, you know, anyway. 
Uh, Kirka apparently arrived at the rally in a bus decked out with campaign signs and handed out campaign uh, paraphernalia and literature. Uh, He said that the rally, which was the largest gathering of conservative voters in Alaska that he could remember, would be helpful in drumming up support for conservative candidates. But uh, he said for Trump supporters, it could lead to a mixed response, especially with Dunleavy up on the stage. Um, he said, and this is his his analysis, which I don't disagree with. Kirk has said Dunleavy didn't want to be on stage so as not to offend Murkowski supporters. He's basically trying to play both sides. Everyone knows he didn't want to be here or made the strategic decision not to be here. It's quite offensive to Trump supporters. So apparently there were some people that were angry that the governor didn't show up for that. <laughs> we'll see what <laughs> uh, everybody's getting their minute in the sun. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's uh, go over here to the phones. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Um, Kathy from the peninsula. Hello, Kathy. Um, Charlie Pierce was at his son's wedding. Okay. Yeah. Somebody just said that the Charlie oh. Pierce was out of uh, state and I oh, missed okay. that. So yeah. Well, and th- I was there and I, I, are you there? No, I'm here. I go ahead. Campaign and yeah. I had some of his stickers and people were putting them on the backs of their shirt. And then when we got inside, they had us remove them. Of Charlie Pierce's stickers. Oh, really? And um, there was a lo- there was a good good bunch of people that said they didn't know much about him, but they took one of his stickers and they would look into it. And then um, um, I sat right behind um, the president, and um, people were texting me, sending me pictures on um, the you know that they'd snapped off of the TV. Oh. <laughs> You know, and send them to me while I was there. Um, Edie Grenwall was kind of right there, too, near me. And, um, yeah, it was just awesome. I mean, uh, I got there at 6, and we had the $250 tickets. And so when we got in there, people really didn't know where to set. But they go, oh, if you have a blue ribbon, you have to set over there by where behind the president, the first people crowd that came in. Um it was just super exciting. I mean, yeah. man, if you didn't go, you missed out. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, it's a spectacle in and of itself. But then again, it's also, as, as uh, Bert said, something you probably won't see again in your, in, you know, in most people's lifetime. Uh, somebody with that kind of notoriety coming up here and getting a chance to speak and be part of it. Uh, and especially to be, you know, behind the podium there and get your fo- get your photo on the national news and everything else. So good. Um, right. I'm I'm glad you enjoyed yeah. it. And uh, yeah, I didn't I, I didn't totally did. I didn't realize Charlie was out of state. Any memorable like one of moments quickly before we go? Um, was there like? Um, he, go ahead. You know it it was all amazing. I really did like the two girls' speeches at the end. Kelly Shabaka said, you know how much that um, the Alaskan people loved Donald Trump, and it just roared and roared, and then. I loved um, Sarah Palin's speech. Um, she just, they both, the girls, rallied the crowd in an amazing way. Um, yeah, it was just, the girls did a great job on their speech. I mean, it was incredible. And then I zoomed in on Kelly's speech, I mean, on her, she, on her necklace, and it was a picture, it was a gold, it looked like a gold piece of Alaska. That looked amazing on her. I just was just so impressed and the families were there and and um sarah 
said that um, Donald Trump, you know, she said every time they bashed her family, um, he just kept encouraging her. And, 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 you know, when you're bashing people's family, it's really hurtful. And um, I was glad that they called out the media and said, you know, stop bashing people's family. You, you know, right. it's okay when you, the people that are running to a certain degree, but when they're, you know, lying and bashing their kids and, right. and that was pretty painful in yeah. the past when they just kept bashing her kids. And right. that's what, you know, I just think is super painful for women. You don't, you don't, you don't attack people's kids. Right. Well, Trump is somebody who's got, uh, probably got a little experience with his family since he keeps his family close and, 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 in you know, has them be part of everything. He's probably, uh, more um, uh, cognizant of that kind of attack than uh, than almost anybody else. So, yeah, good stuff. All right, well, thank you for calling in and giving us a rundown on that. I appreciate you sounding off and being part of it this morning. Phone lines are open this morning at 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. If you would like to be part of it, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we will have more. It is The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Kevin McCabe is going to be joining us at the top of the hour to talk about his latest piece in Must Read Alaska, if you haven't had a chance to read that yet. We'll continue The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. What is that? Common Sense. Regularly heard on American Radio. Okay. Uh, in the break of the morning. Yeah, somebody. $20,000 uh, for a photo. Yeah, that was a, I mean, that was one of the things. Then Sean said Camilla Harris was asking for $15 million. Yet she was rumored to be lowering his price, and then she and then uh, Sean dropped the, then dropped a little a uh, comment from the New York Post. The cost of everything is going up under the Biden administration, except one thing: the DNC slashed its prices for a photo op with Camilla Harris by ten thousand dollars. <laughs> they recently had been reportedly cutting prices for fundraising photo ops with the vice president from a whopping fifteen thousand dollars to five thousand dollars. <laughs> uh, I don't know why you would pay to have, I mean, it's your money. You can do what you want. I don't know why you would pay to have any sort of money for a photo with a, uh, um, with a, uh, uh, with a politician. I mean, even a celebrity, uh, it's, it's iffy, but with a politician, oof. Um, It's uh, it's good stuff. Rep McCabe was at the rally with Ron with Rep Gillum as well. Yeah, no, it's uh, lots of folks. Uh, Dunleavy doesn't have any backbone to stand with Trump against Murkowski. That's why he didn't show up. I don't think it's a lack of backbone. I think it's strategery. I think he's strategically trying to distance himself. I mean, he's trying to he's trying to have it both ways, right? He's trying to get the Trump endorsement and whatever shine that that would give him. Uh, in his campaign, but at the same time, I mean, I have to agree with Kirka. I think um, I think that he showed up or didn't show up strategically 
so that he wouldn't offend any of the Murkowski voters. And uh, and I think that's I think it's probably true. While he didn't implicitly endorse Murkowski, he is also uh, the governor uh, Dunleavy has also not explicitly endorsed Chewbacca either. So he's just remaining quiet on the issue and hoping that people will take from that what they what they will. Um, I don't think it was um, uh, I don't think it was a lack of backbone. I think it was a strategic maneuver. Um, that's kind of my thoughts on it as well. Um, photo op is an ego thing. No logic involved. That's true. That's true. Uh, photo op is an eagle is an ego thing. Um, Alaska first was charging $20,000, not the campaigns. No, I mean, and I, if I, I apologize, it's not the, uh, the way that it was written. It says the VIP reception hosted by Chewbacca and Palin campaigns were asking for $20,000 for a photo. So that's just, uh, that had, that just had nothing to do it. Um, Walker paid big dollars for an Obama shoot when he was here. Remember that? I, I don't remember the number, uh, Gail. It very well could have been, but I just, it, it just seemed to me that, <clears throat> and I understand everybody's got to make their money. And, and if they're doing it for, uh, and if they're doing it for, um, a good cause and the money's all going to the campaign or to some kind of fundraiser or some kind of pack, then I guess that's okay. But I just, I would have a hard time justifying donating that kind of money for a simple picture, no matter what I was supporting. Uh, only thing I could justify a pick is if it would be an investment for the grandkids. The Trump supporters are generally more angry at Walker than Dunleavy. He is still politically triangulating you. He's yeah. So again, maybe Dunleavy is just hoping to get that this at least helps him to be the second or third place position in uh, in your mind when you go for the ranked choice voting. Uh, Trump apparently took a shot at he took a pot shot at ranked choice as well. What did he say again? Because I thought it was uh, uh, Trump blasted ranked choice voting, saying it could be crooked as hell. You, you were stuck with it. You know why? Because of Murkowski, it was the only way she could win. Again, he's not wrong on that. I mean, Scott Kendall was the architect of that, and uh, he, of course, is uh, is uh, the Murkowski bagman, as uh, as much as I can see. Uh, Michael says, "Funny, all the Murkowski signs I see around, which are very few, by the way, all in front of big, rich houses." Well, of course, again, this is the twenty percent. Uh, Top 20% crowd that we've been talking about for a lot of this time. That's where a lot of the, the moderate Republicans are very much in favor of that whole top 20 percentile thing because it is their, it's that, that's their donor base. That's the people who are supporting them. I um, wonder if I can get to, a comp, to comment more than three times on Facebook, uh, says Jimmy. I don't know. Jimmy, you're commenting on YouTube asking if you can get three more than three comments on Facebook. I don't know what's going on. Okay. Um, we're coming down to the uh, we're coming down to the to the uh, uh, end of the break here, and we're going to jump into this, and then we're going to be talking with Kevin McCabe after the top of the hour about his latest piece in Must Read Alaska. I don't know if you saw that. Um, it's uh, talking about when bills are being weaponized. Uh, we'll talk about that here in just a second. But if you would like and share this video and like and follow the show page. And uh, subscribe and ring the bell. Do all the things. That's what we need to do. Here we go.
Well, I've seen this comment a couple times this morning already. The rally was really an event that you had to be there for. It's hard to describe. He's like, oh, we can't call you and describe it to you because you really had to be there for. Okay, all right, that's good. That's uh, that's fine. Um, I in, in and I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. I was in the middle of my honeydew list for that whole. Most of Saturday was me elbows deep in a car or hauling stuff around or cleaning stuff out or. Just getting stuff. You know how you get stuff stacked up around the house, uh, you know, around the edges of the house, like you put it under the eaves to kind of protect it or whatever. And next thing you know, you got a mess going on because you've stacked stuff on top of stuff and this and that, and you've just tarped it over. And you're like, okay, no, no, we got to get all this stuff out. This is insane. Uh, so that's what we did. We spent we spent a few hours getting the boys uh, getting the boys all squared away and getting all that stuff uh, hauled out. Um, um, and, uh, so that, so that's where my Saturday was. I wasn't down at the rally. I was uh, doing my thing around the house, uh, making sure that uh, everything was, I'm trying, it's July and I'm trying to get ready for winter. That's just a sad statement, right? I mean, that's just kind of the whole thing is that it's July and I'm trying to get ready for winter. Um, uh, so anyway, um, Bunker Mike is seemingly uninformed about his current reception by the average Alaskan. Oh, he's talking about uh, Mike Dunleavy. Look, <clears throat> this is going to be a super, super interesting election cycle. And I really, I mean, I wish we could just get to it. But we've still got to do the primary, um, which for most of the races out there is really nothing more than just a poll, right? Because the uh, because the because with the ranked choice voting, of all the legislative seats, only one has more than five can has more than four candidates in it anyway. Every other legislative seat, all of them are moving on to the general to begin with. Um, so, but we're gonna have to wait. We're gonna have to wait and see. August sixteenth is the next uh, big one, and of course, the race that I'm really going to be watching. I mean, I'm gonna be watching the the Congress race, and I'm gonna be watching the Senate race for sure. And I've already picked my. I've already picked my candidates in the number one position for both of those uh, for both of those seats um, but the big race in August is going to be um, is going to be uh, the governor's race and the question is who do you put in the since it's ranked since it's a primary who do you pick to be your one person to go on to the general election Um I think that right now, um, I mean, my choice for governor uh, right now at the primary is Charlie Pierce. Now, here's the question. Does he have enough name recognition yet? Uh, somebody in the chat room said again, and uh, or it was uh, Karen that was saying that people didn't know Charlie, but they were willing to go learn and, and hear about it. Um, I mean, this is where, this is what we need. We need to get more people aware of Charlie down in the peninsula so that it's not just, um, you know, Dunleavy or bust at this point. We need to get Charlie onto the primary, and then we could focus on getting him ranked in the, um, uh, in the, uh, in the ranked choice uh, general election uh, in the fall. Uh, th- this, is, this is it. So if you've got time, if you've got money, if you've got uh, influence and people you know, be uh, 
share the uh, you know share share the the word about Charlie Pierce as being the only guy in the race um, who um, who's got managerial government managerial experience who um, who has got the track record to prove it who brought the peninsula through the pandemic and everything else and and uh, you know stronger and better than ever who is cut down on on government he cut they cut down on the uh, um, uh, you know on the size and scope of government down there in the Kenai and he's done what he said he was going to do he's really one of the you know He's one of the guys, but he doesn't have the statewide recognition that he needs. He doesn't. It's very regional. It's very peninsula. So if you folks up in the interior want to find out more, you know, you need to reach out to his campaign. He's been going all over the state, but I think he just he needs as much help as he can get right now. Um, and we just need to get Charlie through the primary. And uh, I, I, I can't I can't wait. I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see what can be done. But he needs to get through the primary so that we can go on uh, with the rank choice um, and get him to where we can rank him as number one. Uh, that's uh, that's where it goes. When the president mentioned Dunleavy's name, there were people booing. Why didn't Dunleavy show up? Now, according to his office, Donna, uh, according to his office, Dunleavy was uh, out of town. But again. Excuse me. Again, um, I think that the analysis uh, from Chris Kirka was actually spot on, uh, where he said that Dunleavy didn't show up because he did not want to offend the Murkowski crowd. Dunleavy is attempting to uh, is attempting to play the middle. He didn't endorse Murkowski. That was his. That was the caveat from Trump for endorsing uh, Dunleavy that Dunleavy not endorse Murkowski and that Trump would there in turn endorse him. But at the same time, he's not endorsing Chewbacca and he didn't attend the rally so as to offend the Murkowski acolytes. And so I would agree that, again, he's trying he's trying to play both sides right now. He's trying to main, you know, I'm going to stay in the middle of the road here and not offend anybody. But, of course, we always know that the uh, – uh, that the that the middle of the road is where you get run over by a truck. Uh, now, I have said in the past that I think that an endorsement from Trump is not necessarily. I mean, some people say it's a, it's a good thing. I would say it could be a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not. Uh, it doesn't motivate me to vote for a candidate one way or the other because again, I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of uh, Trump. Um, but for some people, they see it as a big plus and. Um, um, and it definitely has some power amongst parts of the electorate. There's no, uh, there's no doubt about it. So, um, Charlie Pierce is, uh, is, is again, my choice for governor. And I think it's going to be the one race that we really, that's really going to affect us directly. The race for governor. That's the one race that's really going to affect us directly, you know, coming out of August. And since all the legislators are already pretty much decided, that's where we need to be. Um, can you, uh, is posting in Alaskans against the PFD theft. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, we're running out of time here. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta fly. We gotta flee. We're going to be talking about, um, uh, we're going to be talking with rather Kevin McCabe about his article in must read here in just a few moments. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, that, uh, that will be, uh, that'd be good. 
And we'll be back here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show continues your home for common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Uh, Make sure to come out and check us out on Facebook and YouTube and everywhere else or at MichaelDukeShow.com. All right. Uh, Back with more right after this. Kirka for governor is posting in Alaskans against the PFD theft. There's some irony there for you. There is some dear, dear irony in that for sure. Um, all right. Lisa was down on the peninsula this weekend, smiling like a Cheshire cat. Her Dunleavy puppet was a no show in Anchorage. Okay. Governor Dunleavy gets another four years. You can kiss any fiscal intelligence goodbye, says uh, Michael Chambers. Sandy says, I'm so sick of Dunleavy. It can't be done soon enough. That's funny, MD. Middle of the road, get run over by a truck. Do you promise? No, that was not a threat of violence. Did you know that Facebook flagged my show from last Friday? For inciting, it was incitement and violence. Incite, it went against the community. This is the Firearms Friday show, which I was thinking was like one of the most mild-mannered shows, Firearms Friday shows we've had in a while, with the exception of the gal who called up and, and you know, didn't want us to have guns. or I mean, it was, I don't even know. Like 30 minutes after the show, they flagged it and pulled the whole thing down, and I can't, I mean, there's no way for me to even appeal anything it was uh it, it, it was insane insane um anyway um uh kevin uh, michael does kevin mccabe want to help promote the constitutional convention no one is stepping up to inform the voters the plan is to do more need help from leaders and columns in debates and fundraising uh i don't know we'll talk to him about that here in just a minute how could Dunleavy meet Trump in the morning, but then his office says he's unavailable? That smells fishy. According to the paper, he did not meet with Trump. That's what the ADN was reporting, was that he did not meet, that in fact he was out of state. Um, this is from the... Um, um, it wasn't YouTube that I got flagged on. It was Facebook, uh, 12th Man. Facebook said that I'd violated the community guidelines for, anyway. Uh, Trump also spoke in praise of Dunleavy, but Dunleavy was not in attendance and did not meet with Trump during his brief visit to Alaska. Dunleavy campaign spokesperson Andrew Jensen said said that he was, oh, I thought I said that he was out of state. Dunleavy was not in attendance, but did not meet with Trump during his brief visit to Alaska. Um according to Andrew Jensen. So there you go. I don't know. I thought, well, I don't know where I thought that he was out of state, but anyway, that's, uh, that's it. Um, okay. With the uh, one snitch shut you off for a week. I know just six days. Okay. All right. 
Pierce was out of town. Dunleavy was in hiding. <laughs> I got 30 days in Facebook jail for a comment that thought it, they thought invited it invited violence, says Terry. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what was going on. But uh, apparently, and of course, the worst part was there was no appeal process on that. There was no, it was no, like, I. It, and in fact, it took me 15 minutes to figure out, because they didn't even link the post. They just said, well, your post violates the community standards, yada, yada, yada. And you go to it and it said, this post has been taken down. And it said, well, I'm like, what post? What are you talking about? So irritating. The whole thing is just so, so, so irritating. Um. I mean, here we are using the platform, but at the same time, it is not the best platform for everything you can ever want it. Um, Pierce was attending. Yes, we've said that, Sherry. Pierce was attending his son's wedding. Um, uh, Terry reported you on Friday. That's what that's what happens. Um, uh, no. Uh, there we go. Um, we're going to have Kevin McCabe joining us here in just a second. I will be honest, Jimmy, because Jimmy says Terry reported me on Friday. That's what happened. Terry was the name of the caller that was bashing me for wanting to homeschool my kids and how dare I want guns and all that. It's That was actually my first thought. That was actually my first thought was that uh, because um, that she may have reported the show. I have no idea. I have no idea. Facebook works in mysterious ways. Yes, Brian, that pretty much sums it up in a nutshell. Facebook works in mysterious ways right there. Um, all right, well let me let me get uh, let me get Rep McCabe on the phone here. We're getting we're getting close. We're getting close to the to the whole thing here right now. Good morning. Uh, good morning, sir. How are you doing? You ready to go? I am. All right, hold the line. We're going to jump back into this. Kevin McCabe is our guest, uh, getting ready to dive into this uh, with everyone. Uh, please like and share the program and like and follow the show page this morning if you uh, would like to um, um, uh, help out. That's what we need. We need more people to like and share. If you're on YouTube, make sure that you uh, subscribe and ring the bell. Uh, I don't know. Whoops. I don't know how many... I don't know how many YouTubers we have out there this morning right now. Looks like 23 watching on YouTube right now. Uh, so that's a pretty pretty healthy crowd. We've got almost 100 people here this morning watching us uh, between uh, YouTube and Facebook. So come on down and join the party. But if you're on YouTube, please subscribe and ring the bell if you haven't. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers. That's the plan is to get to 1,000 subscribers. I'm currently at 308. So we've got a ways to go. <laughs> All right. Uh, here we go, my friends. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Kevin McCabe up next, The Michael Duke Show. Let's do it.
put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world, on the interwebs, at uh, MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find the podcast, the broadcast, the audio links, the social media links, and everything else, plus links to the Common Sense Corps, which is our cool kids club where we all hang out and join each other in a kumbaya of common sense. That's that's kind of what it's all about. And, of course, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. So, welcome, welcome back to us. Joining us on the program this morning is our guest for today, uh, Representative Kevin McCabe, who's been kind enough to come on board. I asked him to come because he has recently written an article in Must Read Alaska that appeared over the weekend, <clears throat> yesterday, in fact, talking about weaponization of bills. Uh, when amendments are weaponized against fellow conservative legislators, Republicans lose. We've had some conversations on this because McCabe has been in the crosshairs of a couple of the more strident members of the uh, conservative community, uh, and I don't know exactly why, other than it's the tactic to, if you don't agree with them, you, 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 know, you basically... Uh, try and shame them publicly. Uh, so Kevin's been fighting back. He's not been taking it lying down, and I like that, and I wanted to talk to him about it this morning. So Kevin McCabe joins us, and let's see what uh, he has to say. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Michael. How are you? You know, it's a beautiful day. It's uh, it, it's feeling a little muggy, feeling a little cloudy. I think we might be getting some rain. I'm liking it. That's what I want. Yeah, that would be most excellent. It's pretty dry up here as well. Yeah, we're not all that far north of you, actually. No, I mean, I think as a crow's fly, you're only about five six miles away. So, um, I'm I'm happy to uh, I'm I'm happy that maybe we get a little bit more rain out here in the valley here. Right. Uh, all right. Well, let's um, let's let's kind of set the stage here, uh, Kevin. Um, I've been seeing some, and I'm not on Facebook very much. So this is an indicator. It must be of how much. Uh, bad press they're trying to push out there. But I have seen a couple of the ads pop up in my Facebook feed about how Kevin McCabe doesn't support your gun rights. Kevin McCabe hates babies. Kevin McCabe is evil and bad and all this and all these other things. And it just makes me scratch my head because I've talked to you. I've worked with you. You're my representative. I know what you stand for. And this just, just kind of blows my mind that this is the attack. And so you have gone back out there and laid this out. Uh, in this piece in Must Read about the process, the actual process of the bill and how people can be confused and how even before you join the legislature, you yourself kind of saw, thought the same way. But set the stage for us here as to why you've been kind of led to or forced to write this piece here. 
Sure. So well, one of the basic uh, tenets, if you will, of uh, the foundation for applied conservative, conservative leadership, FACL, is that uh, unless you are politically feared, you will not be politically respected. And that's um, that's what they're trying to do is they're trying to make me fear them and make others set an example with me, if you will. Um, another one of their uh, uh, ideals is to make a legislator feel pain, which is what they're doing with their ads until he capitulates to their process. So uh, frankly, they want their own binding caucus. They want to bind me to them and to their process. And, and I'm, I'm not going to do that. I mean, if you look at my votes, you will see that I'm conservative. I've, I've uh, had an award from the CPAC for 91% uh, conservative votes. There were two that I took that they didn't like. Um, but uh, Louise Studes, uh, for instance, uh, the speaker is down around 22%, which is, you know, her choice. So my question to the um, to the faculty folks and to the folks that are actually paying money to attack a conservative Republican is, why aren't you paying money to go after, uh, say, Andy Josephson, who is very vulnerable, and thus get Kathy Hensley elected? I mean, why would you go after me? Right. Uh, it's just, it's sort of frustrating that they're wasting their money, um, you know, going after a fellow conservative instead of going after the Democrats that are vulnerable. So, um, so in any case, uh, you know, I wrote this piece because people, uh, I just want to make sure people understood. I mean, I'm not going to roll over and allow the lies and half truths and intellectual dishonesty, uh, to be spread about me. And frankly, there are several other, uh, Mike Crock is one, Mike Prox is another, uh, that are now being attacked up in Fairbanks with the same sort of ads. And as soon as I saw that, and of course they waited until, until we couldn't, uh, you know, put out a newsletter um, ethically via the legislative ethics manual, we cannot use state funds to put out a newsletter within 60 days of a uh, of an election. So right. I do know that there is at least one candidate for governor who was in the legislature who has done so recently. Um, that that could be a problem for him. Um, I couldn't do it. I knew I couldn't do it. So I wanted to write this article to let people know how the sausage is made, so to speak. That's one of one of the kind of lame terms that we use, but um, pe people don't quite understand. So this thing that they're going after us for, and it's more than just me right now, is the very first of five budget votes. And it was an amendment that uh, Representative Vance decided not to to offer. She very clearly said Amendment 46 will not be offered. And the speaker rolled it to the bottom and it happened to have a co-sponsor with Representative Kirka. So the next day he decided to try to pull it or to offer it again because it was on the bottom and that was not Sarah Vance's intent. And so when Sarah Vance voted or uh, Rep Carpenter moved to table it, that's a normal Mason's rules procedure. It's used all the time. And, uh, you know, I've had several of my amendments tabled and often it's it's offered just to buy time so people understand. In this case, it was offered because we didn't feel like uh, Kirka had any business offering Sarah Vance's amendment for him, even though he was signed on as a co-sponsor. So um, uh, Carpenter moved to table it and even Sarah Vance voted to table her own amendment. Right. Um, so 
and they're using that against us and saying that we're not uh, pro-Second Amendment. That single vote uh, to leave a, an amendment or to a table an amendment that should have never been offered in the first place because the amendment maker didn't want to offer it. That single vote, very, very, the very first budget process after House Finance, they're using that to say we're not Second Amendment. I, I think it's the most ridiculous waste of money I've ever seen um, other than this, other than the state government, but um, right. Well, and and I think this is interesting because uh, initially, uh, you know, the, the you you talk about you know the place for uh, intent language and everything else. This was, uh, you know, you said at one point this was a budget bill, and that Sarah Vance had decided to not even put her own amendment in there. But Louise Stutes, instead, as the speaker, decided to roll it into the agenda at the bottom of the agenda. And that's what kind of caused this whole conundrum to begin with. Somebody should have objected when she uh, said that uh, that uh, Amendment Number 46, when we moved to the bottom of the amendments, it should never have been on the list to begin with, uh, as per what the sponsor wanted, which would have been Sarah Vance, right? Right. And, and that's, you know, for that part... One of us should have stood up and objected to that. And sometimes when the, in the crush of business, when things are moving along at a pretty good clip, um, some of those things get missed. And and I missed it and, and others missed it. And we, we certainly should have objected because uh, the speaker did say without objection, Amendment 46 will be rolled to the bottom. And, and um, I, I guess that uh, of all the things, that was the mistake I regret. But that doesn't mean that I'm not supporter of the second amendment so right well and this wasn't the only thing too i mean i know that there was discussion it's not just the um there's a couple different groups that are throwing stuff at you one is about the second amendment the other is about the rights of the unborn uh you and i have had conversations both off the air and on i know what your stance is on this but again this seems to be the whole circle the wagons and shoot inward crowd uh, from these different organizations, um, which uh, what what are the two organizations that are out there uh, trying to run you over? I've forgotten the names of them because I'm not that familiar oh, with them. One of them is uh, Gun Rights of Alaska. Or it's run by um, uh, Jared McClure, who is Eastman's chief of staff. It's run by his father, Rick McClure, who is a very ardent strident uh, right-wing uh, faculty activist and you know I, I i don't disagree with a lot of their end positions but it's how they get to them or how they want us to get to them that's the real problem and the other one is uh, pat martin's group called alaska right to life um who is going after me and frankly he and david eastman are best buddies and he's the one that he's also a board member on uh, gun rights alaska and um uh, uh, they're all sort of intertwined, right? Um, but he's the one that's very upset with me for uh, moving to table some of David uh, Eastman's amendments during the same budget talks. And frankly, he just doesn't understand. I don't think anybody really understands. You know, David um, offered those amendments, and we had two or three minutes to decide whether or not to support those amendments um, because he never discussed them with us in caucus. He never talked to us. He never brought his amendments to me and said, what do you think about this? That's the way, that's a relationship deal. That's the way that things get done down there is you, you build an amendment, you take it to the people and you build support for it via discussion and debate and, and find out if you have support in your caucus. 
Well, he, he blindsided us with 19 or so intent language amendments. And uh, tabling is not killing an amendment. It's buying you time to take a look at it. To, to oh, You could pull it off the table. We would have, if we looked at those amendments and uh, thought that they were worthy of, uh, of passing, we would have pulled them off the table. So that's what people don't quite understand. And of course, Pat Martin took exception to that and uh, immediately uh, uh, came down to Juno, um, made a couple of videos, posted them all over the Big Lake sites, and posted one on uh, several on his Alaska Right to Life site, and uh, actually uh, invaded my office when I wasn't there, and he knew I wasn't there to intimidate my staffer. So um, lots of lots of issues, back to the point where we had to call security. So. Um, you know, that that to me is retaliation for procedures or votes that I took on the floor. And that should never happen. You know, if you got a problem, call me up. We'll talk about it. Right. Um, but this whole public making me feel pain, um, it might work with some people. It's not going to work with me. Well, I don't think it's changed your position. In fact, I think when you look at it, it uh, you know, it, like me, if this was a, if this if I was in your shoes, it would be the same kind of thing. I mean, this would this would. Uh, uh, strengthen my position to say I'm not I'm not going to bend to this kind of um, uh, bullying um, um, in these things because I think what you did is the right thing. Look, I've been party to uh, I've been in politics a little bit uh, again at the local level, but there were there were times when things came up uh, that were brought up amendments that uh, you know amendments that were offered uh, on the floor uh, so to speak or that night during a during a, a hearing on an ordinance or something that I had no use of. And, and there were many times when I'm like, there are too many ramifications of this to be able to make a decision in 60 seconds or, you know, or 90 seconds or 10 minutes on it. I need to think about how this plays in and tabling an amendment just gives you time to analyze it. And I think that that makes sense besides the fact that many of these intent language positions, and this has been my complaint about um, uh, David Eastman specifically is that he will make a bunch of intent language uh, uh, amendments for bills that literally seem to be nothing more than an excuse to be able to demagogue a little bit on issues and 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 alienate even more people who should be supportive of him. If you've got an idea, bring it to the group. And this is, I think, part of the problem. The, the whole key to this is you're, you need to work together as, a, as an organization, right. especially when you're in the minority. You need to work together more closely that when you're in a minority than when you're in a majority. And if this stuff is being brought up with no pre-discussion, no nothing, and it's a surprise to everybody, you're just begging for this kind of stuff to happen. Right. And, you know, if you have a really uh, germane or cogent amendment, find a bill to put it in and amend the bill, not the budget. There are so much, there is so much um, discussion out there or, instruction out there in the legislative drafting manual and in uh, alleged legal opinions that says the budget bill is no place for these uh, grandstanding intent language amendments. They're worthless. They're unenforceable. They take uh, days and days of time and uh, in discussion on the floor. And there's just, there's just no point in it, especially from the guy who wants us to be done in 90 days, pretty, pretty regularly. I think he makes that motion every session at the 90-day level, he makes a motion to adjourn sine die. And rightly so, we should be done in 90 days, but we can't do it 
when we spend three days debating intent language amendments. Right, right. Kevin McCabe is our guest, uh, GOP State Rep from District 8. Uh, we're talking about his piece in Must Read Alaska. We'll finish up with that here on the other side, and then we'll talk with him a little bit about the upcoming season, political season, and uh, his experience as well over at the uh, rally from the weekend. So we're going to be back with more in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We're going to be back right after this with Kevin McCabe. Don't go anywhere. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, Kevin McCabe is our guest during the break here. Um... I don't know why people are saying Kevin Cape. Kevin voted for the PFD. It was it was uh, Eastman and Kirka who both voted against the budget with the PFD in it. So I don't know why you're saying that. Um, you weren't asking for people. You weren't asking for people to come to get your approval before they offer an amendment, right, Kevin? I want to clarify that. You're saying that the process is that you guys work together so that you the, so that your fellow minority members are aware of the amendment and that you can garner some support so that you know that when you stand up on the floor and offer it, that you'll get a second and you'll get people to support it right away, just so it's not a surprise, right? Sure, and and you know I. I, I certainly am not the person who gives approval. No, nobody really is. But if you want something to pass, if you feel strongly enough about an amendment that you actually want it to pass, then it's important to develop the relationships and to talk to people about your amendment and to go to people and say, hey, I'm offering this amendment to do this. And and we, you know, we're not supposed to talk about what goes on in caucus, but frankly, those kinds of things are what goes on in caucus. We talk to each other. We establish um, a relationship. We bring up our bills. We bring up our amendments and we explain it to our friendly people so that they will support us when we go on the floor to do battle, if you will, over an amendment. And, and that's just, you know, and, and, and when they when I bring up an amendment in caucus or a bill that I'm going to offer, um, the questions from my caucus mates are oftentimes more difficult to answer and more important to answer than uh, objections on the floor. And we try to you know beat the bill up or beat the amendment up from all sides, and and you have a sense when you come out of caucus uh, whether you have support from everybody or somebody or a few folks and. That's what politics is. It's the art of the possible. We need to be more um, communicative with each other. And just throwing an amendment in there at the last minute, um, that's a facile tactic. And it's designed um, its designed to get people on the record in an election year. And, and, and the one thing I think that gets lost in this debate specifically on the gun rights thing is that Sarah Vance, the author of the bill, wanted it tabled or the author of the amendment wanted it tabled i mean that was the thing this wasn't like uh it wasn't even in fact it wasn't even supposed to be brought up because of some of the issues with it and she wanted it tabled and now they're acting like you and carpenter went against the will of you know the, the author of the amendment said no 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 i want this tabled um which well is- she actually she actually did not want it even offered 
Right. And we had to use the table uh, motion uh, because the speaker put it on the bottom. And so many, many times you put an amendment in and you don't offer it. In fact, David uh, himself has put in an amendment, stood up to talk about it, and then said, having said that, my amendment it will no longer be offered or is, uh, you know, I, I, and pulls his amendment right there. And it doesn't go to the bottom. It doesn't go to the last part of the discussion. The speaker just pulls it and, and it's not offered. So that's a pretty normal procedure. An amendment is built and then developments happen on the floor. And then you decide, well, this doesn't really make sense right now. So I'm not going to offer it. Right. And right. That's how it happens. And I think, we just missed what the speaker did, and that's what's causing a lot of this. Yeah, exactly. Well, and at some point, I have to start asking the question of, was this intentional to kind of create some more dissension in the ranks, you know, overall, or was it a genuine mistake? Um, I don't even know. Uh, there was another, uh, and of course, uh, you also got get, were getting beat up on some of the right-to-life stuff. There was an, another uh, issue over that. What What's their beef on that part from the Alaska right-to-life uh, folks? Well, so that was uh, uh, Christopher Kirk's Amendment 45, I believe, which was the one that says uh, we passed Amendment 44, which said that there will be no state money um, used to fund abortions. We passed that. It's called the Hyde Amendment, even though it's already been previously determined by the liberal courts to be unconstitutional. I think that's wrong, but but we passed it. So that made Amendment 45 a moot point. Amendment 45, uh, which was the next one, I believe that's the numbers. I might be wrong on the numbering, but it was the next amendment and came up. Hold on a second, Kevin. Hold on. I'm, I'm, I got to get you back into the break. Let's uh, let's uh, we'll we'll pick this back up here when we get back, and we'll finish up with this, and then we'll start talking about the rest. Like and share the video. Like and follow the show page. Let's get it done. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. We're continuing now with Kevin McCabe, uh, talking with him about uh, his latest article in Must Read Alaska and, uh, you know, the reasons why uh, some of our legislators uh, and Kevin specifically, I think, are under attack over some of these issues. Uh, we were just talking about the the one amendment we were talking about had to do with the Second Amendment. But again, you mentioned Alaska right to life and they have been taking cracks at you. I mean, I know you're pro-life. I know you're uh, you fought for the unborn, but they somehow are saying that, no, you're not. And this has to do with uh, some other amendments. This one was an amendment by Kirka. Uh, give us the details on it. And explain what happened and why the things went down the way they did. For called the Hyde Amendment, we passed that. And what that does is remove funding for abortions. Uh, it says any no funding in the state budget will be used to fund abortions. So that passed. The next amendment said basically, oh, but wait, if we do fund abortions and there is any abortions conducted, then all pay will be removed from the uh, DHSS commissioner, Adam Crum. So basically, if any of any somehow abortions are performed under his watch, we're just going to take all his pay away from it. I have legal uh, memos that say that that is uh, blatantly illegal. It's not following the law. So which law do you want me to follow? It's not even following the Constitution. It violates something called the Confinement Clause. So 
we moved to table that just to get it off the table so we could move on with the budget. And and I'm not even sure that I made that motion. Somebody else may have made that motion. Carpenter and I were going back and forth. There were a few other people tabling amendments. So, um, but I'm being attacked because that motion was tabled. And of course, Pat Martin in parentheses when he writes his thing, it says killed. Um, that's not killing an amendment. It's it's in Mason's rules. It's a procedure that we use many, many, many times. So um we we made a move to table it. I didn't feel it was germane. I didn't feel it needed to be spent a bunch of time talking about it. We had already had a big discussion over Amendment 44. Christopher and David and every pro-life legislator, including me, had 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 the opportunity to stand up and talk about Amendment 44 and abortion in, the, in our pro-life, talk about the pre-board. We talked about that already. So now here we were going to go down the same rabbit trail again and spend another hour and a half or two hours discussing this one amendment that was not germane. And for that, I'm being attacked. And when I explain it like that, they say, well, okay, that's true, but you didn't support this bill, this HB 152 that David Eastman put out, which was also a pro um, uh pro-life amendment. I believe that's the one. In, in any case, uh, you know, sponsoring or co-sponsoring a bill, um, and, and I'm shifting gears a little bit right Right, because this, this moves on to the next question of, you right. know, because the next attack was, well, why didn't you support or co-sponsor some of these other bills? And there is, I mean, there's some, there's some method to that madness. You can co-sponsor bills, but there is also a danger in doing that sometimes. Sure. Well, look at Andy Josephson's gas tax bill that he put forth to increase your taxes, gas taxes by 10 cents a gallon. By the time it passed the House uh, right in the uh, in the end of the budget uh, session, it was a tax holiday, uh, not a tax increase. So you have to be very careful signing on to a bill, especially when it's in a committee run by very liberal a progressive committee chairman, because it could be amended to the point where you won't even recognize it anymore. So I'm very careful with that. I got burned burned once early on in the session last year um, by doing that, and I'm and I'm not going to do that again. So you know I'm holding my cards. I did try to pull one of the couple of the bills out of committee um, via a procedure on the floor called Rule 48, where you stand up and make a motion that they be moved on a committee right you roll the committee basically at that point right and and to my surprise um and to nobody else's surprise but to my surprise because we don't know we, there's lots of that, that stuff that's done behind the scenes that isn't even published those bills were not even ready to come out of committee so they hadn't had a sponsor statement they hadn't had the sectional analysis done they hadn't even had a request to the committee chair to pull them out of committee so the work the work was half done and, uh, you know, I, I, I thought I was helping out my conservative uh, pro-life members by trying to get their bill out or pro-Second Amendment to try to get those bills out. And, and it, didn't, uh, it didn't take because they hadn't done the work. Right. So, you know, that's, that's a problem. You know, and truthfully, I, I attended a town hall, Kirk and Eastman Town Hall, and David spent a lot of time talking about why it's not important to sponsor or co-sponsor bills why there is a better way to be a legislator. Sometimes getting in the way is a better way. And I don't disagree with him, but why are his uh, supporters sort of hammering me for not supporting this bill or that bill because I'm not listed on the co-sponsor side. It's just, it shows a real lack of understanding of how things are done down there. Right. 
Well, let's move on to the campaign season. Obviously, uh, we got a pretty abbreviated season um, because we've been so tied up over the last couple of years. So everybody now is out and running. Now, the, the, I guess the positive of that is is that the primary at this point for legislators really doesn't matter. It's a poll. It's more of a poll than anything else. And so we're going all the way to the general on this. What has been your experience thus far? Um, have your constituency, are they asking you questions about some of these things? What uh, What are they talking about? What's the What's the hot button issues going forward? Um, well, I sort of agree with what you said earlier. A lot of the hot button issues center around the price of gas, the economy, um, what's going to happen to us, food shortages, food security, all those sort of things that are at the, you know, on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, so to speak. Um, you know, those are what are concerning people right now. And, and certainly abortion is part of it and Second Amendment is part of it. And, uh, you know, the PFD is right up there in the in the financial discussions because it's a big part of of uh, of what we need to do. In fact, I was I, I, I think there were 13 PFD amendments offered and I think half of them were mine. Um, amendment number one was a full PFD. Um, there were other amendments for a full PFD with the uh, back pay. We're trying to get the money into the hands of Alaskans, which then gets the money into the hands of Alaska businesses, which gets the money into the hands of their employees. And you can see how the the uh, financial implications of a full PFD would have been really beneficial for us uh, going forward. Uh, President Trump said it at his rally, 60 uh, maybe he didn't say it. I, I heard it somewhere, but in $6,700 right now is uh, is how far behind the average American family is. So a full PFD uh, would have gone a long way towards bringing us up to parity with where we should be um, as far as inflation and that sort of thing is concerned. So um, it's, I don't know, we need to, we sure, we sure have a lot on our plate when we get down there. Well, I mean, I think it is, again, the economy stupid, right? I mean, that's the James Carville uh, comment. It's the economy stupid. That I mean, We could talk about all these other issues and talk about all the little dribs and drabs, but the bottom line is what most people care about when the lights go out is can they feed their family? Are they putting money away for retirement? Can they fix their car? Can they heat, you know, can they heat for this winter? Those are the kind of questions that people are asking themselves, and I think those are the important issues that – need to be focused on by the candidates. And that's why I think the PFD and the budget should always be the top two things that people are talking about because it has the most economic impact in the state, both on the private economy and literally in the long run on the public economy as well. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. And, you know, when you think about it, the uh, uh, the right to life folks are attending some town halls and places and fundraisers and and they're asking questions of candidates like, Will you ever vote for a budget uh, that includes uh, abortion, money for abortion? And I, I just don't think that that's the right question because voting for that budget might mean that living children and families uh, on the upper Yukon, say, where there are no fish, are, are going to be starving over the winter. I've, I've heard that there are three and four and five families moving in together in a single house just to be able to afford to heat the place. So... Um, we have huge, huge problems that we need to deal with, and um, a single issue in a budget, uh, you know, I struggle with it all the time. Um, so I don't know that that's the right question. Well, I mean, the whole the whole thing is is that each one of these issues, you can't necessarily be a one-issue voter. I mean, I'm a huge gun guy, 
but it's not necessarily not everything that I do focuses on the candidates uh, positioned on guns. I voted for candidates who were not as strong as other candidates on gun rights uh, in general. I mean, I wouldn't vote for an anti-gun person, but uh, simply because they're more, more holistic. This is not just a single issue. It has to be taken holistically, um, uh, you know, like getting the money into the people's hands uh, and bolstering the economy and taking that money out of the hands of government in the form of a PFD so that the people spend it rather than the government, to me, is more important than a lot of the grandstanding or do nothing or, again, um, kind of this Don Quixote-esque charging at the windmills ideas that aren't going anywhere or not going to get anything done. That's what bothers me. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, when when I was going to put in uh, that uh, amendment number one for a full PFD, I went down the hall and talked to uh, Sarah Rasmussen, and she asked me a really good question. We had a really long conversation about the full PFD. And at the end of the, you know, as as I was leaving, she said, so, Kevin, let me ask you this. If I vote for this full PFD, if I vote for your amendment and you vote for it and it actually makes it into the budget, but there is abortion language in there, are you going to vote for the budget? And I thought, you know, I mean, it's that's the kind of choices we are faced with. And and truthfully, that's the kind of choice that Kirk and Eastman were faced with. And, and they made their choice. Right. Um, and I made a different choice. Right. Well, I mean, and Donna points out again, she just summated what I just said. She goes, the abortion amendment in the budget would not have stopped one taxpayer funded abortion in Alaska, because this is not the first year that this amendment has been put forward and it's been put forward before and nothing ever happens. That's the thing. Right. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And you can't throw the rest of everything out under the budget uh, of the budget out under the bus when you know that whatever you're doing is not going to make a difference anyway, unless you just want to beat on your chest and say, look what I did. Here's how it goes. And I'm sorry that you're all painfully feeling the clips of the economy because we're not giving your PFD, but at least I stood up for X, Y, or Z. I mean, that's the frustrating part. Right. And, and you know, it's... Uh... It's the concurrence vote that you're talking about, essentially. You know, I, I made the case with Christopher and David and other many other people when I voted for concurrence, and I'm being slammed for this big, bloated budget, and I get that. It was huge. It was an unconsciously or unconscionable-sized budget for a conservative, but we haven't, ever, we haven't done that since 1982, and by and large, that's a big part of our problem is we keep putting the budget back into the hands of the conference committee, who are the same people that crafted it. In fact, they're the same people that stripped out uh, Kirk's Hyde Amendment from the budget. So why would I vote to, con uh, you know, to send it back to a conference committee uh, knowing that they, they were going to do exactly that, knowing that they were going to do exactly what they did is cut a little bit of the fluff out of there, which happened to be half of your PFD. So I, I voted to concur because we need to shift the paradigm. We need to do something different. Uh, 1982 was the last time we did that. And look at the situation we're in. So let's do something different. It's the same with the Hyde Amendment. It's the same with the abortion amendments. We need to do something different. So here Roe v. Wade is uh, is done, uh, you know, or is repealed. And we're in the same position because we haven't done anything for the last six years. We have done nothing except squabble over process, whether it be HB 178 or the heartbeat bill. We all have the same goal. We want to save the pre-born children. That's the ultimate goal. Right. But we we haven't done anything to do that in the last six years because a certain group of people feel that their process is best and they're going to 
try to bind me to their process. Right. Well, it's a hollow victory when you can say, I voted for this, but then everything else came apart and it didn't matter anyway. It's a very hollow victory. And I, I mean, to me, that just seems like a waste of effort and time. We need to, we need to shift the paradigm and move in a different direction. Uh, I want to talk with you real quick about the, uh, about the rally and where you plan to be and what you plan to be talking about with people here as the election continues or the season continues. We're going to continue here with, uh, uh, we're going to continue here with Kevin McCabe in just a moment. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. More Kevin McCabe when we return. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. Okay, we're back here uh, in the uh, in the uh, break with Kevin McCabe. I'm going back as uh, people are being. There's lots of conversations here. Vociferousness. Um, um, McCabe missed the final vote on the budget. Was attending a gun show. And so if uh, Alaskans raises absence of the faculty technique, maybe it's because it looks bad. Um, I don't know if you comment on that, Kevin. Sure. So uh, missing a vote is a no vote, right? Right. So uh, I was not at a gun show. I was at a prayer breakfast that had been scheduled months in advance for um, the uh, Port of Alaska. So a a lady came to me and said, hey, uh, Representative McCabe, uh, a couple of ladies and I in my prayer group go out and we pray over Port McKenzie and for a resolution to that problem uh, every other week or so. And I want to have this prayer breakfast and Mayor DeVries is uh, uh, involved. And uh, the guy that's uh, Carry the Cure guy, um, I, I can't pe- pe- uh, I can't remember his last name, but he's the guy that goes to all the villages and talks about suicide. So right. all this was combined into a prayer breakfast at Evangelos. And I agonized over whether or not to go. I was supposed to be the keynote speaker there. And uh, so I took the late flight out of Juno and the very first flight I could get back to Ju- uh, Juno on was the two o'clock flight. The prayer breakfast was like at uh, nine. And uh, so on my way home to shower and change clothes, I stopped at a gun show to drop some stuff off with a constituent. The Big Lake Lions had a gun show there. And, uh, and as I walked by, I happened to see Pat Martin's table with the uh, gun owners of Alaska uh, right. flyer about how I was such a uh, anti and and frankly I got a little hot under the collar I should have been able to hold my temper more but um, you know it sucks when they use something that you have believed in all your life uh, and they use it against you you know the Second Amendment I you know I don't think it's about hunting or self protection or anything else I think the Second Amendment is what keeps a tyrannical government in check right and no it protects all the other amendments it's an know? implicit yeah it's the implicit threat against government overreach that's what it is. Um, Brian's got a good comment. He says, the irony is that the same people who complain about government overreach want to empower one individual, in this case, Adam Crum, talking about the defunding of Adam Crum and everything else. And that's, you know, that's been my problem with some 
different brands of conservatism is that, you know, we're all about not we're all about keeping government in control unless it's the one thing that we want, in which case we want to empower government for it, where I'm the libertarian that just wants government out of control of everything. It needs to be the smallest, most minimal. It shouldn't be in our business for any reason. And uh, and, and I find that that's a I think Brian's spot on with that. Right. And, and, you know, likewise, they all say follow the law. We've said that on this show dozens, if not hundreds of times. Follow the law, follow the law. But, oh, wait a minute, this has to do with abortion. Oh, let's not follow that law. Let's right. not follow that piece of the Constitution because it it conflicts with what we want to do. So, um, you know, you can't have it both ways. You just yeah. can't. You either follow the law, you follow the Constitution, um, and you do the best you can down there and you make the best decisions. And frankly, you let God sort it out. And uh, it's just, it's, I've been told that I need to just sit down and shut up and take my lumps from Pat Martin and Rick McClure and Jared McClure and, and all those. And I just think it's, I just think it's wrong. Somebody needs to speak up because eventually they're going to drive us all out of politics. Right. They're going to drive people that might want to be in politics out of politics. And then what's going to uh, come into the vacuum that's left. Exactly. Um, I was just looking until the right to abortion is removed from Alaska's constitution. Nothing that is defunded will survive our courts. They will always put the money back in. At least we can celebrate the record break closures for uh, Planned Parenthood around the nation, yada, yada, yada. But he's this is this is Bert Politidic. I mean, he's exactly right. That's the thing. Until we remove it from the Constitution, there's no, these courts have shown time and time again that they will back that and, and fund that money. This amendment that they were talking about has been put into the budget time and time and time again, and it is blatantly ignored. So voting for it again and sacrificing the PFD, a full PFD for people, on the altar of that makes no sense since it's, again, Don Quixote charging at the windmill over and over again. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, it's... It's really the there is no right to abortion in our constitution. This is a misapplication or a miss. Um, it's just it's a judiciary judicial Supreme Court misapplication of the right to privacy that is in our constitution. And frankly, the constitution says the legislature shall implement this section and it, and it's aggregate a right to privacy for all Alaskans. And uh, so if the legislature shall implement it, then maybe we need to implement it uh, the way we're supposed to in the Constitution. And uh, and then if the liberal judges uh, go after that, then maybe we need to activate the impeachment section of our Constitution, which is an oftentimes ignored uh, section. So, right. um, you know, th those those are the kinds of directions that that I'm interested in. Uh, I totally, frankly, it's something that Eastman and Kirka and many of us, uh, many of the faculty folks agree on. Yeah. Our judiciary is out of control. It's messed up. Yeah, absolutely. Which leads us to my next question, which is going to be right now. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, continuing now, Kevin McCabe is our guest. We were just talking about uh, a lot of the problems, and this comes back down to the legislature doing its job and doing what it's supposed to do, and the judges 
staying in their lane. And if they don't, we need to find a way uh, to impeach them and change, which leads to the questions, of course, of what really needs to be in the Constitution and what needs to be changed. And this leads to the question of the Constitutional Convention. Um, and so, uh, this is the question, Kevin, a lot of these things need to be in the constitution, whether it's the PFD spending cap, you know, whether the right to abortion, uh, needs to be, uh, removed or, or explicitly denied, I guess, in the constitution. These are all things that could be brought up in a con con. It looks like probably the only way those things are going to get done. What are your thoughts on the constitutional convention? Do you support it? Um, what, what, what's your take on it? You know, my thoughts are a lot like yours have been, uh, Michael. I, I, I'm seriously um, worried about it. But uh, as Mike Shower says, the Senator Shower, how can we be any worse off uh, that if we go into a con-con than we are now? So I think that the people are going to decide for us. I am about sure that they are going to vote to have a constitutional convention. I do worry about the fact that the judges don't follow the Constitution now or they interpret it wrongly. So having a convention might not be, it might not, it might be meaningless. We might spend the two or three years that it's going to take and the month, the amount of money that it's going to take and the judges will ignore it or reinterpret it anyway. So um, I'm not sure how effective it's going to be, but I think that the people absolutely have the right to do it. It's in our, it's in the constitution now and we need to follow it. And, uh, and so frankly, if they vote for it, I'll support it. I do personally support it. Um, but I always try to keep in mind that what my voters want is what I want because I work for them. So right. uh, if the majority of them want it, then I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously an inherent danger in this, and this has always been my hesitancy to, and to embrace it wholeheartedly. But at this point, I agree with you, probably the only way we're going to be able to get this done because there's no political will to fix a lot of the problems that we have, uh, around here is through a constitutional convention and it will be a long drawn out arduous process but i think it's the best shot that we've got at making these things uh making these things happen um kevin mccabe uh is with us gop state rep for district eight and the new district number is what's 30 uh, 34 31 30 30 30 30 okay i i again can't keep track of it so i'm now in district 30 you're going to be uh, Kevin, um, as you go out and about and you talk to people, what are what are your hot button issues that you're talking to about to people say, this is what I'm going to fix. This is what I want to work on. This is the this is the direction I want to go. What are you telling your constituents? I think that the fiscal policy working group paper is one of the most important things. And, and I was on there, so I'm tooting my horn a little bit. But I think it was uh, a, one of the most important uh, bipartisan things to ever come out of the uh, legislature in the last decade, at least. And um, it was, you know, it was done without leadership. I mean, we didn't have any leadership in there other than Shelly Hughes, who was the Senate majority leader, but she didn't really take the reins. JKT took the reins and, and we hammered out what I feel like is a good framework to move forward. So I think that is the number one has to be at the top of the list with the economy, the way it is, and the uh, fiscal situation of Alaska, um, the way it is, it absolutely needs to be number one. And of course, part of that is the PFD. Um, and, it, you know, we agreed to go in that group. We agreed to go down to the 50-50 if the people got a vote on it. But frankly, they have so screwed it up anymore that I'm right back to the full PFD and and back pay for, for constituents, uh, you know. 
Right. Well, I mean, that's so, you want you want to help the economy. You want to help the economy in a time of post recession, post COVID, post everything else. Go ahead and dump another billion and a half or two billion dollars into the pub, into the private economy of monies that you've been holding back, monies that technically belong to them, and see how that does for the economy. Right. And so, in that vein, um, the, the I think that one of the most important things we can do is repeal SB twenty six. Um, it, it has to go away. Um, the, the regardless of what the um, PFD corporation directors said, the PFD is not a retirement account. It does not need the five percent POMV. In fact, it's dangerous for a dividend account like the like the PFD to have the POMV. I just don't. We need to go back to the statutory calculations. Alaskans expect that. You know, when when the economy sucks, the PFD goes down. When it's great, the PFD goes up. And, and I get there's a smoothing uh, number of years in there. But the, the point is, is Alaskans understand that. What they don't understand is the legislature or the governor saying, well, we know you deserve this much, but you're only going to get this much. Especially in a year like this year with record inflation, record fuel prices, record fuel oil prices. Man, that for that that full PFD would have just gone so far, and back pay, if possible, would have gone so far towards pulling Alaskans out of uh, what the looming fiscal situation right. we're coming into. So that needs to be number one. The whole fiscal thing needs to be number one. Right. Well, and and I've been talking more and more to about uh, to uh, elected uh, officials and to candidates and asking the question about SB twenty six, and it seems like there seems to be a lot more push on the conservative side for the repeal that would also fix the problem of of course this uh, this uh, this loggerhead of two laws uh, conflicting with each other SB 26 the POMV law and the statutory PFD they keep saying oh we've got to follow the law well this one but not but not this one so now if you removed uh, the POMV there wouldn't be a question you'd have to follow the law that would be it right Absolutely. And, and it, it, that's the problem. You're exactly right. You hit it on the head. There's two laws. So uh, it creates this sort of smoke and mirrors that, uh, in, in frankly, over the last several years, it's caused us to focus on nothing but the PFD instead of focusing on resource development or electrification of the villages or rail belt electrical rates or any of the other myriad problems that that we have that we should be focused on education funding backpack funding uh, whatever whatever discussions you want to have every time you get in the room and you've heard me say this before you start hey let's get together and let's talk about in this caucus let's talk about education funding within 15 minutes everybody's talking about the pfd so let's solve the problem. Well, and I think, like I said before, I think a lot of people, they don't want to solve the problem, right? I mean, that's the whole thing. They don't want to solve the problem. They want to uh, – uh, they they like where it's at, and that's uh, that's part of the problem. We're down to the last uh, two minutes here, Kevin. So uh, elevator pitch for those out there who will love you, for those who hate you, for those who, you know, whatever – what 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 do you say, and where can folks find out more about you, and where they go if you're doing a meet and greet or anything else? Sure. So we'll be at Mike Shower's meet and greet tonight, um, which is six to nine at. Uh, and I, at one point, I had the thing up. Um, I can give you the address here in a minute, um, but um, we'll be there. We're going to do some combined fundraisers. Uh, we haven't quite scheduled our uh, total fundraiser yet. 
um, but we will be uh, shortly. Um, in fact, I'm probably getting a little bit after the 16th or 18th of July will probably be uh, uh, our first fundraiser, most likely in Big Lake, maybe the Lions Club or or uh, somewhere close. We're going to do some fundraisers up in Willow, up uh, up north, uh, even a little bit further. You know, the new district goes to Clear and Anderson. Uh, and so uh, lots uh, uh, lots of area to cover uh, for right. a lot of people. So, um, but one of the things I want to tell you, uh, everybody, is look, I'm a conservative Republican, pro Second Amendment. I believe that life begins at conception. And rather than me spouting off, you know, I, I'd rather hear from you. So call me, email me, text me. Vote Kevin McCabe uh, is the Facebook page. KevinJMcCabe.com is uh, is my uh, website that gives you a number of ways to contact me. I'm all over social media. My phone number's out there. Uh, so I'm interested in listening to people. And if I'm wrong on the issues or if I'm wrong on some votes I took, real votes, not just the procedural things, I'm happy to listen and I'm happy to debate. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kevin so, McCabe tonight, 6 p.m., uh, 5749 East Morning Mist Drive in Palmer for the shower re-election. You're going to be out there tonight to meet people. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on board. Folks, we got to go. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. Kevin, uh, sorry, up against the heartbreak. Uh, anything else you want to add before I let you go? No, I, I appreciate the opportunity to sort of expand on the article. Um, yeah. So, uh, so I... Suzanne had to type some stuff in when I sent it to her. I actually had clips out of the legislative legal, legislative drafting manual. Um, there's going to be some more of these coming out, uh, how the sausage is made. Uh, sort of one of them will deal specifically with Amendment 45 and will include the memo that I know that Kirka got and I know that Eastman and everybody got about Amendment 45, where the alleged legal department said, it is totally anti-constitutional and, and, you know, you shouldn't do this and it's going to be meaningless. Right. So, right. Well, and it has been meaningless. Again, I guess that it's the track record of it more than anything else. So I, I enjoy kind of this behind the scenes looking at how it's made. So more, more people understand it. And uh, I think that's what we need. We need to get more information out there. So Kevin, thank you for coming on board and I appreciate, uh, appreciate you coming on and talking with us today. You bet, Michael. Have a good week. All right, folks, we are out of time. We will see you tomorrow. Brad Keithley, Chris Story. Don't forget to go over to YouTube to like and subscribe over there. If you haven't already, do it now. Do it now. The the Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Be kind, love one another, live well. We'll see you then.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.